You are now tuned into a very special recording of the Conversation podcast. On the 18th of May, we celebrated one year of recording and held a live session event at the Curtin Hotel in Shoreditch. This is one of the amazing episodes that we recorded on the day, so we hope you enjoy. So, hello. How are you all feeling today? Yeah? Are we excited? Okay, so welcome to The Conversation Live. This is your first panel, Culture versus Capital. I'm Zulika Lebeau. I am an artist and just sort of like a Jackie of all trades, really, and I, haven't, I definitely have not mastered any of them. Um, but we have a beautiful panel here today, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. My name's Annie. I am a journalist and resident northerner on the Conversation podcast. Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the only northerner. You're repping. No, yeah. well, I mean, technically, you know, Robin is... Oh, yeah. You, you, you yeah. are more north than me, yeah. Robin's queen of the north. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's, that's it about me. Who else? I'm Alice. I'm an author. Um, of a book called Go Fund Yourself, which is coming out in July. Cheeky plug. Um, and I also run an Instagram account and online community of the same name, also Go Fund Yourself, which aims to make personal finance relatable and hopefully entertaining. I am Talia Darling. I'm a makeup artist, um, DJ, and plus size model. Um, yeah, that's me. Woo! Yeah. Oh, come on, we could do better than that. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, okay. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Thank you both for joining us. And, well, you know. And me. And Annie. But Why Annie, don't I Annie needs you. no thanks because, like, she is, like, you know, she's part of the team. She's, like... I still yeah. need a thank okay, you. Okay, you need a thank you? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody thanks me. Nobody ever thanks me. Thanks, Lily. Thank you. <laughs> um, right, so let's get into this obscure topic. Because I know that culture versus capital, everyone's kind of like, what? Like, what is that? What does that mean? Um, so I'm going to read a little paragraph out for you. And it's, it's a little bit long-winded, but, you know, we'll just go for it. Um, so cultural capital is the accumulation of knowledge, behaviours and skills that one can tap into to demonstrate one's cultural competence and thus one's social status or standing in society. Dun, dun, dun. So I came up with this topic in our group chat because it was inspired by my love-hate relationship with social media. So when you think about cultural capital, I think about someone's social standing um, and how it, how sort of social media sort of influences that. Um, and I I hate most social media. I really do. I like who uses Facebook. Nobody. Oh, okay. Uh, I, still, I still use Facebook. Just the yeah. aunties and uncles then. Still... Are you all aunties and uncles? Wow. No. The shade. <laughs> Full shade. Um, Twitter, I really like it because, you know, it's just shit posting mm. and news. I'm a journalist, so I need Twitter. Instagram, I have a slight problem with because um, I don't really care too much for, like, in- influencers that... Uh, it's probably going to sound like really controversial. Go for it. Uh, I just find them like um, just far too much. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Talia, are you let's, offended? Let's get into are you this. like? Are you are you feeling it? Do you My feel? Chest. Do you feel it in your chest? <laughs> My chest. 
I'm, I'm a sorry. bit much. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think social media is a great platform, you know, to uh, promote your brand and stuff. But I find a lot of influencers that um, use it to make money. I just find it um, a little too much. Um, you can absolutely argue with me if you want to that's why we're having this conversation <laughs> but I actually want to start off with um, a little icebreaker um, because we're going to be talking about culture, cultural capital with relation to personal finance so I want to throw out a question to all of you um, put up your hand if you have any savings at all it can be like one pound it can be a thousand pounds does anyone have any savings Okay, that's a fair amount, actually. That's what? I want to say I hate you all. <laughs> okay, now everybody tell us how much money you have in your bank account. <laughs> right? And also your sort code account number. <laughs> that's not a bad idea, right? actually. Yeah. Scamming. Maybe we should have like a document like on your way out. <laughs> Please leave us your details. And a waiver as well. It's like you can't see That's interesting, after. actually. Like quite a few people have um, savings. Um, I actually, this leads nicely into our discussion about personal finance. So I want to ask you guys, um, what is your understanding of uh, personal finance and how, how do you manage your money? Do you think that you manage your money healthily? <laughs> Let's go to Talia first. Yeah, she's already started. You're already laughing. <laughs> she's already started. How do I manage my money? I don't. Um, unfortunately... For me personally, being a creative um, and working in creative jobs, so I freelance um, most of the time, but I do have my you know core job, but that's still like a zero-hour contract. So it differs oh from um, month to month. So it's really hard to track what what's outgoing, what's incoming, because it could be different each month. Therefore, mm. it's hard to have savings. Mm. Um, right, right. So for me, it's a struggle especially as I'm finishing uni in a week um, tell us what you're studying I'm Give studying hair and makeup for fashion at LCF hey hey hey, hey. <laughs> no I'm joking um, but <laughs> no so it's, it is really difficult um, the finance side and I think even if like everything was bringing all the money that I wanted it to bring in, it would still be difficult because it's like sending invoices. It's not like a set salary. You know oh what you're God, doing yeah. and you know the time that you're working. So it's a little bit, hey, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> that was so weird. But it's, it's hard um, to have um, uh, track of my finance mm. because being a creative. Yeah. On that, actually, because I... I was at another panel event and something came up that I thought was really interesting and that's that sometimes if you're a creative, you almost feel like it. if you do work that isn't creative to support you financially, it then almost feels like that invalidates mm. the creative work you do. Do you feel like that's the case or not? Um, fortunately, my sort of go-to job... Um is in a theatre. So I always feel like I'm around the arts. It's yeah. like arts admin, mm. but um, I'm a duty manager of um, a th uh, two theatres. But um, so for me, it's okay, because I'm still around plays yeah. and around, you know, actors and other makeup artists. So it's okay. But um, I do understand that. And I've never worked retail before, so I mm. don't... Which a lot of creatives yeah, Avoid, yeah. avoid, avoid. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I, I don't want to do. I just... Um, I feel like I have the patience for people, but in certain environments, maybe oh not Oh, my so God, much. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, what, what would you say your understanding of personal, personal finance is? It's funny, because I think one of the 
you hear people talk, I also talk about the word like personal finance all the time, but I think the irony is so often it's not actually like personal and it's not, I'm talking more about the way we talk about personal finance and that it it's not personal at all and it's kind of where it, it's all about, you know, product, like financial products and what you should be doing with your money and what you shouldn't be spending your money on. And I think slightly different from your point around the stresses, which are enough on their, in their own right, um, of actually managing your money, um, I think we need to change the way we actually talk about personal finance and stop judging people for the way that they choose to spend their money and the way they choose to, what they choose to do with it. And, um, and partly that stuff around, you know, home ownership, the fact that we're pushed this idea that, like, that's what we should be going for. Um, but also I think it's about thinking about personal finance, in my mind anyway, as a, something much bigger that's actually about your entire kind of financial life rather than just, like, spending and saving. Because it's also really boring to think about it like that. And it's not... No one's motivated by being told what they should and shouldn't spend their money on. So I think personal finance needs to become actually more personal and, um, yeah. It's interesting you talk about um, home ownership because I know maybe we, you will, we will touch about it in the millennial episode that will be coming up soon. Um, but I, so I used to work at a financial radio station, um, particularly on a show that covered consumer finance. So we would talk about mortgages all the time and we had like a whole day dedicated to women in finance as well, how women should be managing their money. But a lot of, a lot of it was about, you know, how you should be spending your money. Um, I think it was just dedicated to just a different generation um, because for me, I, I don't think I've ever thought about my savings going towards a mortgage or a down payment at all. Um, so that, yeah. yeah, and for a lot of people, that's not relevant anymore, and it might not. Absolutely not. And no. and it's not always the best thing either. Like buying a house is actually could be a really bad financial decision for lots of people. Like if you're not knowing what you're going to be doing in the next three years, like why would you buy a house? Um, particularly like buying with a partner, for example, like that can be that's a whole different thing. So yeah, I think it's about actually rather than sort of feeling like you're these ideas around what you should be doing with money and what you should have in your account. I think it's maybe about thinking actually like what matters to you, what is it that you want? And that then goes back to making financial decisions. Like is the job that you're in, like are you happy with the amount of money? Like if you're a creative, thinking like is this actually going to bring me the money that I want for my life? Am I happy with the fact that like that that might be my financial situation or can I, is it okay to take a part-time job that might pay me more? That doesn't like stop you being an artist or yeah. do you know what I mean? It doesn't invalidate it. So Talia, are you happy? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I know I'm not happy and I'm a freelance artist, I'm not happy. Um, I think, so for the past few years I've been doing my degree and I think me not doing as much creative things or putting things on a back burner my excuse is oh, I'm doing my degree. So give me a week to finish it. Ask me that question again and I can give you a detailed answer. Oh, what, you want to record like an additional segment <laughs> yeah, that we can on add top. on after? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I went to uni, did art. Um, fine art, if you please, fine art. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just kind of a weird thing because nobody really talked about money. Everyone assumed that you'd be poor. You know, like, there's always that trope, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, you're, okay. ah, you're poor, fine. You know, you'll suffer for your art, yeah. which kind of leads us into the next segment, which is, like, cultural capital 
not always equaling money because people assume, oh yeah, you're an artist and you're doing bits on Instagram and all of that stuff. But yeah, I'm still broke. I'm still broke. Like don't let, you know, certain things fool you. It is like, it is hard. It is a grind, it is hustle. So yeah, let's talk about it. Thoughts? When people ask me why I became a journalist, I always say, well, it's not about the money because mm. you don't equate journalism to being, uh, you know, uh, money-making um, unless you work in tabloids, which I don't. Um, it's not a money-making scheme at all. It's, it's just not one of those kinds of jobs. So, mm. you know, maybe I am one of those people who suffers for their art as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think um, I I sort of fell into makeup art, make, makeup art, makeup artistry, um, as well as DJing, as well as modelling. I fell into all of them. Um, I dropped out of college um, a year and a half in. It was silly then, but now it's the best thing I've ever done because um, I wouldn't be where I am now. But I think that it's it's important to do the thing that you love um, because if you get into a routine of just doing something nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, um, it takes a toll on everything, um, on your mental state, your, your well-being. Um, when I... I love to post um, on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> everything. An She's an auntie. Everyone. Let's hope Facebook don't sue us after like all the shade we've Not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I post everything. Um, I let people know what I'm doing. I like to, to let people know what I'm doing. Um, but I then get the, oh, you must be making money, innit? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. Um, not always, you know. Sometimes there are there are moments that I'm like, oh, if 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 it goes like this for the rest of my career, then it'll be great. And then, unfortunately, there are struggles where um, I can't pay certain bills, and I'm just going to be real. Like, there sometimes you can't pay bills. Um, rent's always been covered by student loan. However, that's dried up now, um, so we shall see. But um, definitely, definitely think that. Um, yeah, I'm rambling, so I'll stop. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that kind of leads us to you, Alice, because you'll probably have quite a different POV than the rest of us. On what, what do you mean exactly? Well, in terms of, like, how creatives can supplement their income when they're doing, like, five million different yeah. jobs and then, you know, maybe doing a baseline job, as, you know, as Talia is, that doesn't yeah. necessarily support them whole, like, yeah. wholly. So, yeah, what would I did a, um, one of the most popular posts I did was a uh, seven ways, which I've done a second one now actually, seven ways to make money when you really need it. And I think it was, it was, I had a lot of responses from it because I think so much, particularly in the personal finance community, um, there's a lot of talk about emergency funds and this like some ridiculous expectation of like you really need to have six months of living expenses and it's like no one's ever or even a year like I read a book the other day that said you need like a whole year's worth of living expenses like that's ridiculous um so I think and I think having a buffer like as we said some people have savings but and I think that's great um and definitely something that like you can try and work towards but I think also particularly if you're a creative thinking about what you're like in emergency break glass backup income is and 
thankfully now there are so many ways that you can do that and with partly the help aid of the gig economy um which obviously that goes with there's lots of um problems with that as well but there are ways that you can um supplement your income as an example i um when i left my corporate job and actually it's something i did at university i got uh, randomly approached to do some voiceover work for answer phone messages. So, you know, like when it says, like, welcome to... So it was actually for a hair salon. Um, welcome to so-and-so. If the uh, inquiries, press one. So I actually got asked to do um, some work like that at uni. And then when I left my job, I set up an account on, I think it was Fiverr and whatever the other gig website is. Anyway, um, can't remember. Um, to do voiceover work and earn some supplementary income that way and no it's not what I want to do for the rest of my life but it is a really good way of just being able to like switch your account on and get some work doing it from your bedroom basically so I think thinking about like what would happen if all the work dried up and how you could earn some extra income is a good thing to do I don't really know what to start <laughs> I really don't know where to start with this yeah um, what was the question again? <laughs> <gasps> I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's really a lot. Know what to say? Um, I just think like I don't even know. Next question. Next question. <laughs> All right. It's just it just hurts too much to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, it's finances are painful. It really does hurt. And I mean, like you know, that kind of brings us to creatives in debt. So. Audience participation time. Who in the audience is in debt? I mean, I'm not in the audience, but I'm going to just put my hand what, up. That's about, what, half? Yeah. yeah, nearly half, nearly half. Two thirds? <laughs> it's got two hands up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because you can have savings but still be in debt, right? And particularly when you're creative and, you know, you spend money on different things. Things that maybe people would say, like, why are you spending money on that? Why don't you buy food or put, you know, save it or whatever? So, yeah, I just want to want to get a better understanding of, like, if you are in debt, why? What are you spending your money on? And do you feel like it's worth it to be in debt to, like, further your career? I think, for me, one of the reasons why I'm in debt <laughs> is... Um, so, I've got a business called Crossfade, and it's a six-week DJ workshop... Um, and how that started was just me having known how to knowing a friend that could DJ, having a space, and like putting DJ classes on. And through that, I've just got people to pay a certain amount, and you learn how to DJ. And we have a showcase at the end. So that first um, initial workshop, I had no money to then, you know, buy decorations, um, buy certain things for the mm. the club night. Um, and then I realised I started having to go into my own pocket because I had to pay people. So you have to pay the, the venue, you've got to pay the, the tutor. And unfortunately, when these ideas are new and there's no funding behind it, you, it, it then goes into your pocket. Um, it comes out of your pocket. Sorry, I wish it went into my pocket. It goes out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. um, and, then it's, and they're always really good ideas. Everyone has these really good creative ideas. And so you think, let's do a second one. 
and do a second one, and it's still this cycle of it coming out of your pocket because you're not, unfortunately, yet making a profit, but you think to continue it because um, people are saying they like it. You see that there's a demand for it, and hopefully after, you know, three years running, you, you then break even, then you, you make a profit. So for me, I know one of the reasons is, is because of... Um, of the businesses so um, even as a makeup artist there are things that I need to buy if this runs out I'm not getting any jobs because people don't want to pay me my rate I've then got to either self-initiate projects to make my portfolio beefy build it up but then that means I've got to go if I'm styling it I've got to go and buy the things if um top up my makeup so I think for me that's where the cycle starts mm. of trying to be creative and I've got these ideas but some unfortunately people are not putting my money behind it so I've got to fund it myself um, because I'm a creative you know and that and that's what it is for me yeah. it's interesting you talked about rates and not being paid your rate um I would ask you Alice actually this um how how can what would you say to people who want to ask for money because I know when I was freelancing as a journalist last year I I, I wrote for some papers, but they had they had like a set rate of you know what they would pay me per article. But there are some publications and probably some like um, other brands in in the creative industry where they will ask you for your rate. Um, how how do you go about that? Is it is it something um, related to how you feel what you feel your worth is maybe as you know as a creative as what you're doing? How would you go about sort of uh, telling people, you know, how, how to ask for more money? Yeah. I think the first step is to have conversations with people in your industry. Um, I think so often, like, it's the classic money stigma thing, like, not talking about how much, particularly, like, freelance journalism is a major one, like, not talking about what other people are being paid for similar gigs and roles as you. So I think, firstly, actually just talking about it... Um, people that have had similar you know work for the same publications for example um and working out what they're paid but also just being and maybe this is gender might come into this slightly um just like actually going in and adding like a good 20 percent 30 percent on top of what you think and just trying like there's no there's no harm in trying i think that's you have to see it as a negotiation process um like if you're buying a house you negotiate you don't just take what you know, you don't just put in the asking price. So I think it's seeing it as a, a nego negotiation process. And um, and actually at an event I spoke at recently, someone said it was really interesting because there was a, a woman on the panel who said, I just work out what I need that month and then I, and I ask for it and I might add a bit on. And a guy in the audience was like, what? Are you joking? Like, I just, I just like think about like the highest figure I can think of and I just ask them and then I That's negotiate sick, down. Honestly. So it's really interesting that how... That really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, but then fair play. Like, it works. And he was like, oh, well, I get paid, you know, this much. And I think you have to be really cheeky. If yeah. you're working for yourself, like, you have to see yourself as you're your business. So yeah. you've got to go in high, basically, mm -hmm. and not be shy about it, I think. But it's so much easier said than done. And actually, when it comes to it and you need the money and you know that they could say no, then it's hard. How do you deal with that out of interest? Um, I just, I don't really know. I, I don't really know what what I would do in that situation. I actually am part of um, a union um, 
and uh, the freelance branch of the National Union for Journalists has they they put up rates for like oh, yeah. they, they update rates for each publication in their newsletter. So I would sort of you know look through the newsletter and see what they were paying for the Guardian for an opinion piece or something like that, and then maybe ask for that. But the, I don't think I think maybe as women we sort of sell ourselves short. I think that's exactly well, what it is. I'm like, yeah. oh, 300 pounds for this? What? Yeah. No, I'm not worth that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, statistically, women are obviously underpaid and that is because we are socialised not to ask for what we need or what we want. Um, but yeah, you know, even, even when, I mean, because artists, you know, there's Artists Union and the Arts Council provides um, guidelines for how much you should be paid. And even when you are going from union guidelines, for example, I mean, and, and you must find this as well, because I, I think, is it Unite that's the makeup? Like, I, um, are you part I of a union? I'm not part of a union. <gasps> yeah, um, so I tend to go about rates and stuff. Um, I wouldn't say differently, but um, I just tend to factor in travel, um, product, time um and like the skill level what are you asking me to do um and this is talking about me being a makeup artist um if you're just asking me to make them look camera ready that's going to be um, a lower rate than if you ask me to do special effects so um it depends on the skill that they're actually um wanting but also I tend people that don't have money and they, they want you because they, they think that working with you will, will help the brand and they tend to be like, right, I've got 150 pounds versus um, it can it can be two ways. They're like, I've got 150 pounds. I know it's not that much, but I really want to work with you. Um, sometimes looking, um, looking at who it is, I might be like, okay, it's not my day rate but I will go ahead because I, I'm always thinking about the connections, yeah. you know, what might you get out of this? And sometimes it's really good to, to work like that. Um, you do something for less, but you've got to think about the other positive benefits. Um, we can't do that too much, though, because it comes to a point where people are just taking the mick out of you, especially when it's the same person reoccurring. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I've got £150. Got no, bro, you know my rate's 250 Stop it now. Come with what I actually asked for. <laughs> like, oh, next time, next time. No, this mm. time. Mm. I remember the first time I um, said um, I wasn't going to work for free anymore. And I was like, <sighs> I just said I wasn't going to work for free. Um, and it shocks me because I thought this person was taking a mick out of me. It wasn't even like they had no money. If I did my own calculations of how much they're making, how much they're charging people, they were making enough money to pay me my rate mm. to do 12 models in four hours. How? I don't hair and makeup, by the way. How? <laughs> I it was. <laughs> Did you grow like a couple of extra arms? You know arms what I mean. Just like so for the day. It was. I uh, just quickly on that story. It was a photo shoot. It was a semi-finals of something. Um, I'm not going to go into any names. Semi-finals of something. Oh, spill the tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no she can't. No, Legal no, reasons. No, we no, don't no. get sued. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay. Um, yeah, semi-finals. <laughs> finals. Finals of um, this audition pr process. Um, this person asked me to do 12 models, okay, it was a little bit longer, it was from, I think, 10 till 6 in Croydon, bear in mind I live in East London, Hackney, so it was far, right, <laughs> behind God's back, um, <laughs> sorry, it was far, um, and I got there, there were supposed to be five makeup artists, so 
Um, I, um, did I say that there was... I was supposed to do 12, but there were 50 models in total. Um, five makeup artists. I think only three showed up, and one left early. I was supposed to leave early, and I was doing this for free. That was the original agreement, and that was when I was like, oh, exposure, all these girls are going to follow me on Instagram, it'll be great, nah, nah, nah. Mm. Um, and I remember, and it was a low chair, so after the fifth model, my back started to hurt, and I wasn't eating meat, and they had all they had was meat products, so I just wasn't being treated nice anyway. Yeah. Um, and then they was like, oh, can you stay for th um, two more hours? Because, you know, and I was like, you know, I didn't want, this was a bigger brand. I, I wanted to be like, um, I wanted to be good. I wanted to show them that I could do this. And then they, long story short, they ended up paying me £100. ended up doing 13 models, full faces, by the way. Um, it wasn't just like a little eye thing. Full faces. And um, was three hours later, my, my job job, you know, the one that pays the bills. Um, gratefully, someone could cover me. Um, but, and then I thought about it and I was like, really, I'm not doing that again. I'm yeah. not doing that again. Because my best work as well doesn't come out of that stress and that struggle of trying to do um, all those models in time. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm worth more than that. Mm. Um, respects me. Not doing anything for free anymore. Mm. Um, I've done five years of education. And... Yeah. Makeup is something that you don't need education for necessarily. So, and I have done it. So, nah, you're not doing. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but yeah, um, don't work for free. Know your worth. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of brings us into it, doesn't it? So, like, when is it okay to work for free? Like, what is the barometer that you use? Like, Alice, want to chip in? It's really hard. I think, kind of what you were saying. It's about knowing. Sometimes it's really beneficial, and it's understanding like where you are in your career. What's gonna bring back value to you but I think it's before you even get offered anything like having having an idea in your head as to what your what your value is and what you're willing to say yes to and um and also thinking like what kind of opportunities are you looking for like is it okay if it's going to give you like great exposure or connections just like being really clear about what what value you're going to get back mm. um and also asking because I think something I've tried to do recently is if someone will like asks me to do something often people won't say up front whether it's paid or not and I think that's when things can get a bit gray so I think actually saying straight up like is it paid fine if it's not but can you tell me and just being really direct about it but yeah. it's, it's hard yeah it's difficult yeah I would say the best time to say no is when you realize that the piece of work that you're doing takes up more time and energy than it's worth I would say, um, and I think that probably factors into self-worth as well, really, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it, it does, yeah. Um, that's what I would say, yeah. yeah. It's heavy, though. <laughs> I would it's think heavy. about for, um, if I've done that bit of work, it might be different for other people, but if it, we're talking about uh, makeup, if I've done that look before, if I've, say it was a cowboy shoot, I don't know. Well, Have <laughs> you done many of them? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ask me to, if I've done... A cowboy shoot and my portfolio's already got this cowboy shoot if someone else has asked me to do a cowboy shoot and it's for free i'm gonna be saying no because my portfolio already has that i then don't need it's not adding anything to me or my journey so i think about if it's a duplicate if it's something that you've already done and it's not really worth it i would say don't do it um and when if they really want you as well they'll find the money they will yeah. find the money. If they really, really want you and your craft and your skill, they'll find the money from somewhere, especially if it's big brands. If I'm working with someone from university or things like that, I don't expect that. 
but if it's a brand or an established business and they've got it, they'll 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 not pay someone to pay you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me. yeah, exactly. And it comes back to the point that like creative industries, you know, as you as you mentioned, they are notoriously underpaid, aren't they? But yet we put so much value into them. Mm. You know, mm. why is why is that? I think it's because it only takes one thing to just set your career off. Like, with the creative industries, you can you can post this picture, you can post this. Um, or, and unfortunately, sometimes it only takes a repost of someone else that has a lot of followers or that has um, a lot of people supporting their brand, a repost to boost up your brand. Mm. And I think that's why we put so much into it because we know that you can... It can take six months or it can take 10 years for your career to just shoot off so I think that's why I put it in because we don't we never know we're like oh when's it when's it gonna go mm. when are we gonna get the money in it could yeah. be any time yeah. so yeah but then it makes you totally dependent on like social yeah. media Instagram like exposure points um <laughs> to to get money or to get followers or to you know you're re you're totally reliant on one thing to publicize you and that's I think that's the side of it that I I dislike yeah me and too. I, I find really like difficult especially because again you're you're sort of asking for the approval of people that you wouldn't ask for advice from or anything like that like you don't know these people mm. but um you're reliant like you know I'll use the example of um what our what friend Venus libido um Rihanna reposted one of her her drawings and suddenly her following just went you know crazy but it doesn't you know that's one thing that she's been relying on you know before that she was doing the same stuff mm. she you know her work hasn't changed maybe she's gotten a bit braver and stuff like that but you're producing good work regardless of whether someone reposts you or not but you a lot of the time you can put your um personal value on whether somebody likes it or you know, values it or whatever. I mean, you know, Alice, I'm sure that you kind of experience that when you post something like one of your infographics and or something like that and you think, oh, do pe are people resonating with it? Or like, what happens? Yeah, I think something... I don't actually think so much about... I think it's a really useful thing to understand, like, what people are finding helpful and mine's slightly different because I want people to not think it's... I don't want people to just, like, like it. It's I want them to find it useful, the kind of stuff I'm posting, but slightly different point I think the scarier thing is actually how reliant we are on these platforms like actual individual platforms mm, and the tech right. companies because right. it's your business a lot of the time is solely reliant on one account and I think that's what's really scary and also not just like it's not just Instagram owning all that data like you technically own nothing mm. um it's also you're subject to like algorithms which are gonna yes. and I yeah, found that yeah, really yeah. weird like knowing when you know you hear about all these things that like dark things that happen in the algorithm of Instagram and it's like I find that really scary that you're placing so much control into the hands of tech companies so I think try I know it's not really related to money but thinking differently about thinking creatively about how you can actually move your um, business or whatever it is off of Instagram I think is also important. Right. I went to um, a talk at YouTube once and um, there was some uh, Influencers, uh, Jane Trina from Culture UK, and they was talking about creating a legacy and creating your legacy offline, um, because what sometimes Instagram just likes to shut down. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. And then what do you do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just shuts down. You can't post on anymore. So then what, what do you do? If, if all your followers are gone, what do you then have now? Yeah. And that's something that will always stick with me. It's like we have to create something that if we didn't have social media, that someone can go and send us, um, basically come to us. Mm. And even if it's like creating a book or if it's having like workshops, but you have to create something outside of social media and offline so that, because it matters now, but we used to, businesses and brands used to thrive without it. Mm. So how can we do that? and make our businesses and brands thrive without social media, without the likes and without the followers. Because even if we have... And also, you can buy likes and followers. Yeah, And absolutely. if you buy them... I know, I know, though, when people have bought <laughs> followers and bought likes. Yeah, you can it's tell. really obvious, Because if you've it? got, like, 30K but only three likes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where's all these 30K people coming from? Like, surely... And you only really get 10% in likes, a little bit of knowledge. You only really get 10% of your followers. Um liking your stuff anyway but um definitely i would say create something offline because it's not always going to be there one day that's it things yeah. can go bust like so yeah. definitely and offline this is this is the problem that i have with social media because you see a lot of these influences and they are you know we live in a capitalist society now don't we so you know all these influencers are showing their wealth, they're showing their cultural capital, as it were. Yeah. Um, monetizing their cultural capital. Monetizing their cu cultural capital, um, you know, on on these social media platforms, you know. Just because you're trying to look baller on Instagram, like, it doesn't mean that you actually have any social uh, status, you know, in real life, mm. um, I would say. And I... That, that that's sort of my main problem with um, influencers. Like, you know, you can get your bag, secure your bag, whatever. Like, get your money, but, but how can you translate us. that? I think it's it's twofold. That's because um, I because I don't want to say stop showing off, stop stunting. Like, who am I to tell you to stop doing that? Yeah, exactly. How, yeah. So, but I think sort of if you're honest and genuine. And that comes across on your platform, but also that's for us watching this to know that that might not be what it seems. I think we need to be educated on looking at people and platforms and just thinking, not trying to lust after what they have. And I think so that's why it's a two-way thing. Because I'm going to say, oh, stop doing what you're doing. I think that's unfair. I, th I think that's unfair. We need to, as, as watching people, influencers, Instagrams, YouTubers, um, and thinking, okay, they've got what they've got. We don't know how they got it. But let me do me and still continue in do, doing me. And, yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. It is the thief of joy. Alice, you were going to say something. Sorry, I cut you yeah. off. I think... I love that, by the way. <laughs> Thank <laughs> um, you. Reverend Zuniga. I think that... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. That although I completely get the your feelings towards influencers, and I completely get that, I think... They can do good. I think you, that's not all negative. I think they can do good. And I think influence in the hands of an individual can be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And also they have kind of always existed, but it's just that you might have been sponsored like in an advert, like a, you know, yes, whereas yeah. it's now all in yeah. the hands of one individual. And like, you know, the Kardashians being the perfect example of one person, like, you know, 
they previously would have like. Are you going to say something positive what? about the Kardashians? No, 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 no. Like, I'm not. I won't even talk Cheryl, about was that you? Carry <laughs> 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 um, But like previously, you know, a brand would have put a million behind an advertising campaign or whatever, mm. and now like one and you know the number of eyes it would have reached i don't know but now like a kardashian can put an instagram post up and reach the same number just like yeah. through their phone it's crazy yeah, um yeah. but i think the kind of what you were saying i think it's on us in a way to be mindful of what's going on behind the scenes and that sort of links to the the debt problem as well because yeah. um i have a chapter in my book called wealth is not what you see and i think it's knowing that in nowadays even more so the fact that it's credit is so available it's um very easy to buy anything on a payment plan um you don't know who's bought things you know who actually owns things at all what is owning now anyway um combine that with the fact that there's so much stigma around debt Mm. no one's really talking about you know what they have bought and what they haven't and then throw in social media on top of that and it's kind of recipe for disaster of people not you know it's unrealistic expectations of what what you should and shouldn't have and ownership and all that stuff. So that's true. I think partly it's on us to be aware and be conscious of mm. what the reality might be. Do you think that we hold influencers' um, uh, sort of opinions and promotions too highly? Do you think... Yes? Yes? Yes. Yeah, actually, you <laughs> know what? Let's, let's take a vote from the audience because we don't have that much time now. So let's take a vote from the audience. Who wishes that we spent less time paying attention to Instagram peeps. Wow. <laughs> Everyone, Preach. this is my mum. <laughs> Preach, Mrs. Lover. <Lebeau. laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Just a wow. quick question, but, you, but the, we have to follow them, though. We like, have to follow them. No, no, I don't as follow in, the Kardashians. We have to press the follow button. Yes, yeah, exactly. So Personal choice. Don't do that. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah so exactly. You, don't, you can cater your feed to what you want. Um, mine's about makeup, DJing, and, and you know, that's it really. But that's that's why I follow you, though. But I, <laughs> because I find, you, I find you interesting, but also, you know, and, your, and yourself as well, Alice. Sorry, excuse me. Yes. <clears throat> I agree. And, you know, I find, I find you both interesting and you're both talking about things that are relevant to my life and I can relate to both of you. I mean, yeah. Talia, you and me both got red hair, you know, like we're already hey. vibing. Um, and yellow nails. But, you know, obviously over and above that, it's about people that you, that you vibe with and I think a lot of people follow the Kardashians to, like, keep up with the Joneses or you're following a certain mm. influencer to keep up um, and then, you know, they're marketing a certain lifestyle that you as... Joe or Josephine blogs just cannot yeah. cannot get there. Yeah. And in some ways it has always been like that. Like we've been yeah. talking about magazines and you know what they're portraying for years, mm. but I think it is perhaps just the fact that it's individuals and you can kind of it's much easier to pin blame and I'm not saying it's not rightly blamed on mm. one individual on Instagram than right. it is to blame like the magazine industry. Yes. Um, yeah. so yeah. Right. Well, we don't have that much time, so I think I want to round up with some final thoughts. Oh, yeah. What are you going to be taking away from this panel? What have we learned? Let's do a Sesame Street. 
I have learnt that I still don't like social media. <laughs> <laughs> but you do use it, though, like, minimally. I do use it, um, but I, I have definitely been a lot more vigilant as to what I want to see on social media, and right. I think that is... I think that's really important to um, our sort of mental health as well, if you think about it. Um, so I think to just be more cautious about who you're following, what you're following... What, what are your interests and how are they reflecting in what you see online? And also, I think it was really important what you said, Talia, about um, making sure that if you have a platform, if you have a brand online, how to monetize that offline as well, because you just never know what's going to happen. Like, obviously, we live in a dig digital age, but who knows, you know, when that, you know, yes, it's growing exponentially, but we don't really know when that's going to stop. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important to secure your bag offline as well. Diversify, diversify. Yes. Alice? And on that thought, actually, yes. someone said to me the other day that offline is the new luxury, which I think is really nice. Like, actually, if you can take things like events like this, um, I think there'll be increasing demand for that anyway, so um, make the most of it. But I really like, on what I learned, I think what you were saying about the challenges of getting creative projects off the ground when you're having to like plough your own money into it before you've got funding, I think, yeah, major challenge and huge respect for you doing it um i would definitely say just know your worth um when you are sending out your rate card um when um people are asking how much your rates is just know your worth you can only give them an accurate number if you know how much you value and your your skill um is a value so definitely don't cut yourself short um and if you want 250 a day get 250 a day plus yeah. <laughs> plus plus um i think i've learned to value myself and my skills more simply because you know there's that meme of like you know about mediocre white men and um yeah Which some meme? <laughs> so many <laughs> so many but yeah somewhere out there i mean i know so many artists who are like just so mediocre and because they're white cishet men they just get they get paid they they ask what they want for what they want and they get paid and basically i need to channel that level of ego and arrogance mm. the next time i'm sending an invoice yeah. for services rendered um so yeah thanks for joining us we do have a sob sisters question so I just want to, who wants to answer, who wants to pick? Tell you, you should pick. Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting, because I can't see it. <laughs> do you want me to read it? How do you feel with, how do you feel about imposter syndrome? Oh, well, I would, I would say that this is a plug for our episode on imposter syndrome, which is, what is it, episode 19, Priscilla? Is it? Yeah, episode 19. Just anyway. search it on Spotify. Yeah, search it on <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud also. Um, but yeah, who wants I to I relate take? to this so much. Episode, thank you, Cassie's like one of our Cassie. biggest fans. Thank you, Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just explain imposter syndrome just so, a little bit? Imposter syndrome, I, I am in a bit of a pickle because I feel imposter syndrome right now. Um, I, I have a full-time job as a journalist right now, but I feel like um, it's in like a different sector to what I'm with, what I know. So I feel like I sort of, I'm not worth, I don't feel like I sort of deserve what I'm doing. You know, so imposter syndrome is kind of like that. Yeah. 
But they, um, you're gonna, they're going to find out, they're going to know. Yeah, right? they're going to know, they're going to find me, that kind of thing. Or if I slip up, then, you know, they'll know that don't, I don't belong here, that kind of thing. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I was just explaining. How that. do you deal with imposter syndrome? So I don't deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going for it. Alice, is this something you experience? Yeah. Please help. <laughs> All the time, and I'm definitely not the person to give advice on it. Um, yeah, it's really hard, I suppose, just going through it. And, and actually, oh, I'll see one tip I find helpful. If I do feel that I'm a fraud or whatever, I think about how I felt. Someone said, like, think about how you feel after you've done something and, like, after you've achieved it. And also look back on things that you've done in the past and that have gone well. But it's really tough. That's really nice. Um, one of the things that I learned this year is that I am not the best judge of my abilities because I, you know, have had battles with mental health and we'll talk about that in the last um, panel. But, yeah, because I've had those battles, like that, that horrible little, like, parrot that's in your head saying, oh, you're crap, nah, 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 nah. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it doesn't make me the best judge of what I'm doing or my own character flaws or values at all. And so um, I asked somebody that I actually trust. And there are a few people in the audience today who like, you know, are some of my biggest cheerleaders. And those people like really help me overcome when I feel like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Okay. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us. It might be really interesting to throw it out, though. Does, is there anybody else that has an uh, opinion on this? Would you like to come forward? Oh, well, I can drag my mind. I feel like Wendy Williams. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky we don't have, like, a really big spotlight that we can just shine right in your face. Um, I was just thinking as you were talking that it's really interesting because I feel the same. Um, I, don't, I do work in the creative industry, but I do have a kind of more regular full-time job. Um, but I feel it all the time in the same way um, that like, oh, how do they, you know, they don't know me, they don't know my insecurities and all mm. that kind of thing. And I think that um, actually they kind of do know me. It's exactly what you just said. They do know me. You know, I've gone into an interview and I've told them and I've been honest. Like I've been honest with them about who I am, my experience, like my personality. I've not lied at any time. So they've judged that I am fit for the job yeah. mm. and I just now need to just yeah. do the job well. And they wouldn't have hired you it. if they didn't think you could do it. Exactly. That's and the they, thing. They've and seen also, it's their I have to tell myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I deal with yeah, it. I'm just, I just, I'm just like, well, I'm here because yeah. they knew who I was. Yeah. From the, from the facts that I gave them. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as long as you haven't spun them, you know, a yarn, then, yeah. you, then you're absolutely in the right place. Yeah. And also, I always tell myself, you know. They've give, even if I haven't got the experience, they will, um, I, will, I will learn that experience. They know that I haven't got that exact experience, but they've given me the job anyway exactly, because they yeah. know that I'll learn it. Yeah. So I find that really helpful. And also that you're right, really having helpful. someone who, or a few people who are cheerleaders who know you. That's my... And if they're paying you as well, it's like, well, clearly you're worth it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Transferable skills. Awesome. Okay. Shall we uh, sign off? Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. So massive rounds of applause for this panel. You guys are amazing. <laughs> <laughs>